What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, and like a pothead stoner, I'm always staying with a couple of J's. I got the two J's, Joey and Jared. Uh, Joey Carrion, Jared Marcus, gentlemen, how we doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Ben? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. You know, ready. Uh, we're another week closer to the NFL season. A little mm-hmm. bit of a month, you know, a little over a month away. But, you know, we're getting there. No, this is the last week without football until February of 2020. Oh, man. Is it is it preseason time already? Excited. Yes, sir. That's good times. And, I mean, we can just tell the news is rolling in. Uh, training camps are starting all up this week. Some of them have already started. Some of them are starting uh, tomorrow and in these coming days. But, uh, yeah, on today's show, we're going to go through, we'll talk about some of the headlines from around the league, some stuff going on uh, as people are reporting and not reporting training camp. Uh, Later in the show, we're going to give a general overview of sports betting, you know, something that is becoming legal in more and more states across the country. Uh, So we'll give a quick overview of that and some of the prop bets we like looking at them for this season and then we'll close out the show with some ADP landmines players uh, that have the potential to blow up your entire roster if you draft them where they're currently going in drafts. So uh, gentlemen, before we get into that, Joey, do you want to tell people how they can support the show? You could support us by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. You could subscribe to us on iTunes also at the DFS Dose and now we're on Spotify as of today and you can yes. search us up at the DFS Dose on Spotify. So you, there's multiple apps that you could listen through, and then obviously you could watch the video format, which is on YouTube at the DFS Dose. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are probably really, like, sharp people in general, so it'll be a relief for them to be able to find our podcast somewhere other than Apple because chances are that, you know, <laughs> the smarter you are, the... the <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Yeah, sorry, that was, that was a long setup, but it got there eventually. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, check out Spotify, guys. Uh, we are up there. iTunes, YouTube, <coughs> SoundCloud, everything, like Joey said. But let's get right into these NFL headlines. Jared, I want to start with you. Uh, what do you think about the news that Taylor Lewan is set to miss four games due to a failed drug suspension uh, that most clearly is going to impact Derrick Henry, but probably uh, the entire Titans offense. That's a big loss. I don't know if it's going to be four games or eight games. I'm pretty sure they said four, but, I mean, that's huge, especially to Derrick Henry because Taylor Lewan is a, is a stud tackle, and that's just going to hurt. I mean, Mariota is already bad, so that's just gonna hurt. That's <laughs> that's just gonna hurt his blind side even more. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's that's a huge. In my opinion, that's a very big hit. So, in general, Joey Derrick Henry, uh, pick three eleven. Would you take him there? And does this news impact that? I mean, the news doesn't impact uh, Derrick Henry for me personally, and. I just want to go on the record saying I'm not a fan of Derrick Henry. Um, He has his weeks. I will give him that. He definitely has his weeks where he snaps. And I don't think drafting him in the third round is worth that. Personally. I mean, if he's there in the sixth round, then yes. Because they want to give him the ball more. They want to make him the workhorse and have Deion Lewis just be the change of pace back, um, come in, catch passes when they're down, etc. So <clears throat> the situation is good. 
But personally, I'm just not a fan of Derrick Henry. Oh, but but if you were a fan of Derrick Henry, how bad does this hurt him, Lawan? It's got to he it drops his. I mean, dra- he's their best lineman. It drafts, drops so. his draft stock like at least a full round for me. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I mean, he's already being overdrafted, but I yeah, I mean. You know, I, I just can't contradict myself because I said linemen are important to running back success, success in the last podcast. So, I guess you're right. It would uh, drop his stock for me. All right. Uh, that's good. Let's move on here. Uh, talking with our resident Patriots fan, Joey, what do you think about all of these uh, You know, Patriots ending up on the pup list? Edelman is set to miss three weeks of practice. Sony's on the pup. Demarius Thomas is on the pup uh what are you thinking about these three guys do you i mean edelman probably not too big of a deal to miss you know three practices in july and august that that one doesn't worry me but you know sony is a player who has you know had some knee issues this off season and now he's starting on the pup do you think he's in any danger of missing week one i think there definitely is a possibility that he misses week one um when he came into the nfl he had knee knee issues then and he's having them again now, and I believe they're chronic knee issues, so similar to Gurley, but not. I don't think it's as bad. But um, I feel like with Damian Harris being drafted in the third round, um, running back from Alabama, I feel like he can come in and step in for Michelle and maybe even provide a boost to the Patriots' offense if Michelle were to miss week one. And I think there is a good chance that he does miss. And then Demarius Thomas, he tore his Achilles, so I don't think anybody was expecting him to be ready for week one. Jared, uh, Sony Michelle's ADP is 51 overall. He's going, you know, at the top of the fifth round. That dropped from early best ball where he was going in the fourth round. So he's dropped a full round. I think that's basically because of the knee injury and the the questions surrounding him. Do you think that his ADP is going to drop? And what do you think about that ADP in general? Um, personally, I don't touch player. I don't touch running backs with knee injuries ever. But I still think his ADP is a little too high. I wouldn't take him to like. Well, it depends. Best ball, I'll take him earlier than the fifth. Redraft, I think fifth is a little too high, especially with the knee issue. Um, I think it's going to drop it a little more, probably down to six, early six or bottom of the fifth. Um, I'm just not touching him at all. I don't, I don't touch players with knee injuries, running backs. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, I, I think that, you know, he he's pretty much the type of player I would only take in best ball because, you know, he's going to get those two, three touchdown weeks. But I think there's going to be a lot of weeks with very low, you know, maybe he'll get 60, 70 yards rushing, uh, but he won't get too many catches. And if he doesn't score a touchdown, I don't think he'll have very much yeah. fantasy value, especially in full point PPR. So Yeah, he um, yeah, has I mean, exploding the weeks where he can't explode. He is a good player. He is a he is yeah, a good yes. running back. It's just the knee issue scares me. I don't like touching and running backs with knee injuries. Not to mention James White is yeah. also there, and yeah, I mean James White did finish as a running back seven last year in PPR formats, and people are definitely um over like they're undervaluing him, and they don't think he can repeat that with in uh, Bill Belichick's offense, but um. I think James White is a good value to if you don't want to draft Michelle. 
That's fair. Uh, let's move on to another running back situation. And today, Duke Johnson reported to the start of Brown's camp, despite threatening to hold out, despite requesting a trade. It seems that he is going to be there for the start of Brown's. You know, whether or not he gets traded, we still don't know. But, you know, let's say Duke Johnson is on the Browns roster in week one. Um, do you think that Nick Chubb is being overdrafted in the mid to late second round? Because he, you know, I think a lot of the projection was that he was going to get this full workload. Duke Johnson would be gone, and then Kareem Hunt would come at the second half of the year. But, I mean, if Duke Johnson's going to be there from the start, and then Kareem Hunt's going to come halfway through, I mean, is Nick Chubb going to be able to live up to this ADP? Because, I mean, Duke Johnson, you know, he is what he is. You know, I'm sure that he would be a good ancillary player, you know, a good running back five or six to have on your roster. <laughs> but he's never going to be, you know, an, an elite player. But this this news most directly affects Chubb and his equity in the past game, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, personally, I think Nick Chubb can still live up to the end of the second round, early third round of where, um, where he's going. Um, I think there's enough – uh, offense in Cleveland to get him the ball a lot and I think they'll be in the red zone a lot and on the goal line a lot so with that being said I think Nick Chubb has a, a good chance to get a bunch of touchdowns and like you said um, Duke Johnson is not an elite player by any means and he'll only probably be in for third down you know long third down situations and if the Browns are trailing so I'm not too worried, um, especially if you're high on the Browns this year as a team in general. Yeah, they have no need for him. They yeah, did. I mean, he should be traded. They did want to make him like a little slot receiver or whatever, but now they have like Odell, Jarvis, Callaway, Joku, yeah, Chubb, they're, yeah, they're... Hunt. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I would be surprised <laughs> to still see him get traded, but uh, that's a good point. Let's move on to yet another crowded backfield so a report came out today and I want to stress that this didn't come from the coach or the team this is just speculation from the athletic um but they're speculating that Tevin Coleman is going to be the lead back in San Francisco now I mean that makes sense to me but the thing about that is that Tevin Coleman has never had 167 carries he's never had more than 167 carries in a single career so I mean do you guys think that Tevin Coleman can take that step do you think that he's clearly ahead of you know McKinnon and Breda on this roster uh, I don't think he's clearly ahead of Breda. I think McKinnon yeah. McKinnon's a lost cause. I never thought he was that good, anyways. Really? Yeah. Because I think I think Breda's the odd man out on, on yeah, this team. I don't know about that. I I agree with that take, hundred percent. I'm on board. I feel like they didn't even need to sign Tevin, but you know Shanahan was in Atlanta with Tevin. You know the connections there. Um. And I think Tevin is the lead back, but I, I think Breda should be the starter based on what he did last year. And you, you think yeah. Breda should be the starter? Yeah. I think. I mean, McKinnon got hurt, but they signed him to be their starter. I mean, he is almost. I mean, I know that this only means so much, but athletically, he's like almost a carbon copy of Devonta Freeman, and that's why Shanahan brought him there. That's yeah. why they paid him a ton of money. I mean, he's still making more money, I think, than. He may not be making more than Coleman now, but it's got to be close. They're definitely both making a lot more money than Breda, and both of them were handpicked by Shanahan. So, I mean, I think that means something. McKinnon, I yeah. think, is actually being slept on where he's going. I mean, he was a third, fourth-round fantasy pick before he got hurt in mm -hmm. the preseason. So, you know, I, I mean, people are sleeping on him. Right now, ADP has Coleman going several rounds ahead of them, and then McKinnon and Breda both going in the mid to late rounds. But, 
But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think Tevin Coleman, his role is very projectable because we've seen him in the Shanahan offense before. I think that he's going to be a good complement, but I don't expect him to suddenly be getting 250 carries. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And personally, I think it's just a situation to stay away from, especially in redraft. <clears throat> All right. Uh, yeah. I I, I yeah. like Tevin. Uh, I don't know. I like Tevin and Breda. I'm not a fan of Jet. I don't think it's I don't just, think he'll be uh, relevant. It's hard when you have three running backs that are capable of being the starter and potentially handling a full work workload on your team, and they're all locks to make the roster. It's not like one of them's going to get cut. Um, so it's just hard to project who's going to have what, and, and only, it's just something to stay away from. The only thing with Breda is he gets hurt a lot. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, he was, he, um, Breda's, Breda's going at a significant discount. He's going in the 13th and 14th round compared to, you know, Tevin. See him in the 6th and 7th. Usually McKinnon's around the 10th or 11th. So, I mean, they're all they're all going in a, in different parts of the draft. So, I mean, if you want to just wait and get the last guy, you know, you could capitalize on that thought that Breda will have weeks where he's viable or, I don't know, maybe take that, take that leap on Coleman. I don't like Coleman at his ADP. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I didn't know he was going that high. Yeah, he's a he's a end of the sixth, seventh round type. Yeah, I'd rather now. just take Breda. I'm not taking Jet. All right. Let's move on to a wide receiver contract extension. Tyler Boyd signed a four-year, forty-three million dollar extension. So he broke out last year. Yeah, I mean Boyd broke out hundred percent. You know we were all over this. I mean if you listen to us last year, Boyd was one of our favorite plays on a weekly basis. He finished the year with seventy-six receptions. For 1,028 yards and seven touchdowns, and he did that in 14 games. So, I mean, he legitimately broke out. Now, obviously, that comes on the heel of A.J. Green missing a ton of time. So, we've really yet to see Boyd, you know, as a – I mean, he, he's he been good with A.J. Green, but he hasn't been quite featured uh, with A.J. Green yeah. in the past. So, we'll see how they, they uh, you know, work on the field together. But I think the real question is, do you guys think that – Boyd is going to become a priority in this offense. I mean, that's blasphemous to say, but A.J. Green is turning 31. He's in a contract year, and the Bengals prioritized signing Boyd over signing Green. So, I mean, it's possible that, you know, the Bengals let Green go after this year, and it sucks to think because Green is one of our favorite players. I mean, I know Jared has a special place for A.J. Green in his heart, but, you know, the fall happens fast for these big-bodied wide receivers. I mean, think about Brandon Marshall. He was elite and then he turned like 31 and I think he was gone in the season so I mean this can happen with these big bodied wide receivers yeah it's disappointing Andrew Green's my favorite player in the whole league um yeah I mean I think Boyd's gonna be a a priority in the offense um he's shown what he could do and he was working out of the slot a lot I believe correct he was, but he, he started playing all over when Green missed because he had to. Right. But, I mean, I think primarily he's he's going to be in the slot. Yeah, I, I, I think he's going to top last year's totals easily. Um, I think he's he's the next top-tier receiver, wide receiver one. And I agree, Green might walk. They might let Green walk um, after this season. I do think do Boyd's going to be a priority. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I think Boyd is ready to take the torch in Cincinnati. It happened so fast. 
It does. It does happen fast, especially with those wide receivers whose game is built on physicality. I feel like they fall a little bit quicker than the guys who are like agile route runners, guys like Larry Fitzgerald who can you know play deep into his thirties. Whereas these other big bodies guys just they don't have that longevity. But uh, moving on, let's talk about. Oh, I know, man. It's tough. (laughs) It's tough. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to uh, Melvin Gordon, who is officially holding out you know we were talking about this last year but it's official the chargers reported to camp and he was not there um you know last week we talked about this we are taking this holdout pretty seriously i think that it's legit that mg3 might not be there uh has your opinion shifted at all since last week guys or are we still thinking that uh there's a pretty legitimate shot that you know he mm-hmm. won't be there yeah there's definitely a shot that he will not be there for week one um i just have a question so come redraft time so we're talking end of august and he's still not signed you know purely hypothetical where is he going in redraft leagues because he's obviously going to get drafted but he's not going to get drafted you know at 1.11 where his adp is right now for ppr i so where do you think he would go i want to hear ben's answer because he went through this last year with love well last year um you know, I actually uh, ended up winning uh, <laughs> our, our redraft league. You know, that, I think I actually got that trophy. Like, right here, let me just show the camera show you guys. As you can see, I've got this right here. You know, 2018 Ben the Bus, uh, named after Gus the Bus, who really uh, helped me come in clutch towards the stretch there. But, yeah, I mean, that team I ended up uh, winning last year with picking Le'Veon Bell in the first round. I think I took him, like, yeah, 104 or did. something like that. You so. Did. You know, that was really tough. I mean, I ended up getting super lucky with James Conner, you know, in the last round. So that sort of saved me. But, you know, for redraft purposes this year, Melvin Gordon, um, I mean, I'm looking at ADP right now. Like, I think I would take him in, like, the fourth round. If 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 we get to if we get to like a month from now, like and we still don't know. And it looks like he's literally about to hold off. I mean, at that point, I'm taking guys like. Devonta Freeman, Marlon Mack, on Johnson, Josh Jacobs. Like, I'm taking all those guys above him, but I think that once we get right below that and we're looking at guys like, you know, Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay, I think I'm still going to take MG3 ahead of those guys. So yeah. I think that's right around the tier break where, where I would separate Melvin Gordon because his upside is obviously high. Uh, you know, he's a first-round pick if he's playing, but I don't know. I mean, I think too many of those third-round running backs are in good positions this year where if yeah. there's any question at all, I, I just wouldn't take the risk. Mm-hmm. And there's always that possibility of, you know, last year with Lev, it could happen with uh, Melvin Gordon. So I don't I think, think it's going to be I, that I agree. That's, that's a good take. But I'm – yeah, it, it might not. It might not. Yeah, I don't – honestly, in my opinion, I don't think it will either. I agree with what Ben said, taking all those guys, except I'm not taking Josh Jacobs or Marlon Mack over him. I don't care if he's holding out. I don't even care if he's not playing week one. I'm still taking – I'll take Melvin over Marlon Mack and Josh Jacobs or whatever. Hmm. I'm, I'll take definitely take Freeman over him. Like yeah, we were talking sure. about before we even started this, Freeman is so underrated. Mm-hmm. He is. He is for sure. Um, let's move on to another – Running back, Joey, this is one of your favorite guys. Uh, there is a report that Peyton Barber is the favorite to lead the Bucks, uh running back. 
Now, this stat is per Roto World. Uh, I found this pretty interesting. Peyton Barber is the only player in the last five seasons to have under 1,000 yards with over 250 touchdowns. <laughs> um, he is hashtag bad. He is not a good running back, but I guess that he is still the favorite to to work in this backfield. I mean, he he's like a modern-day Lamar Miller where, you know, these guys just get a hold of this job and then nobody brings in competition. So, I mean, do you guys think that Peyton Barber is going to end this season with the most carries in Tampa Bay or do you think that Ronald Jones is uh, eventually going to overtake him? Ronald Jones is going to overtake him by week two. <laughs> week two? Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Guys, yeah. Um, Peyton Barber sucks. Yeah, he does suck, but dude, there's a legitimate case that Ronald Jones might suck too. I mean, he sucked last year, and he's put on weight, which is like the opposite of what we want to see from a running back. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I think that you know neither of these guys could be on the roster next year. That's a possibility. This might just be a backfield to avoid. But what do you think, Joey? I know that you're a hashtag Peyton supporter. <laughs> uh, you're a funny guy. Um, am I lying? I wasn't. That wasn't even a joke. <laughs> There's no cap. No cap. Um I don't wait, do you guys well, do you guys know who the Bucks brought in? What do you mean? And what do you mean? Coach wise? Yeah, Bruce Arian. And you know what he does? Throws yeah. the ball? Yeah, throws the ball. Deep. Hashtag Godwin. <laughs> mm. Godwin season. <laughs> Facts, not Ronald Jones of the fucking second season. <laughs> what the hell? You know they they brought in uh, Andre Ellington. Oh, that's not that even a, scrub. a joke. That actually happened in 2019. Andre Ellington's back. In that was my boy. Either way, Peyton Barber's trash. Ronald Jones is trash too. But Yikes. Ronald Jones probably has you know more upside than Peyton Barber. Obviously, he's um, younger. He got drafted last year. It was pretty bad. Couldn't overtake Pay and Barber. Um, that's saying something. <laughs> but uh, I so think. So, would you rather take Ronald Jones in the eighth round or Peyton Barber in the eleventh? Because that's where they're going right now. Honestly, I'd rather take Peyton Barber if I had to pick one. Wait, Ronald Jones in the eighth <laughs> and Peyton Barber in the what? Eleventh. <laughs> take Ronald Peyton. Jones. I'm taking, I'm taking neither. Yeah, I mean, I'm not taking either of them, but if I had to pick, gun to my head, Peyton. Ronald Jones is going to rush for 1,000 right. yards this year. <laughs> okay. Could, I mean, You're no, a I, crack. I, I expect the Bucks to have a good uh, good offense. It could happen. 1,000 yards, yeah, book not. it. Let's talk about a wide receiver who is coming off of an injury right now, um, Cooper Cup. He avoided getting put on the pub list. It looks like he's going to be a full go for camp so right now his adp is wide receiver 24 he is literally the last uh wide receiver getting drafted as a wide receiver too he's going in the fifth round about a round later than cooks and woods and he has the most red zone usage when he's healthy on this team you know besides todd Gurley, uh definitely the most out of the three wide receivers so do you guys think that you know cup should be the third rams wide receiver drafted or do you think that people are just uh nervous about the knee yeah. injury and this will correct as we find out uh that he's fully healthy for this season i think i think it's right i think he should be the third receiver drafted because of his knee injury um if he didn't injure his knee i would say he should be the first receiver drafted um personally but with his injury and what's happened i would say yes he is the third wide receiver that should be drafted from the rams 
do you like him at the in the fifth round? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't hate him. Um, like, there's guys like Tyler Lockett, Jarvis Landry, DJ Moore going um, behind him. And I think he's above all those guys. So I think his ADP is uh, solid, and that's where he should be. Oh, man. We, we're going to have to have a Tyler Lockett talk soon, but that's not for this show. Um, what do you think about Cooper Cup, Jared? Uh, I don't mind it. I mean, I probably <clears throat> I'll probably avoid him because, like, the knee injury thing, knee injuries are hard, not, even, not just for running backs, but for all everyone that runs. So, like, that could easily just pop again. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd rather take Rob Woods and Brandon Cooks over him, obviously. Um, I mean, if he didn't have that knee injury, I think he's probably... I mean, I think he's better than both of them. Yeah, I mean, for me anyways, I'm going to take Robert Woods uh, last out of these three. I'd probably take Cooks first just because he's so consistent and also so consistently slept on. Uh, but Cooper Cup, I mean, just the red zone usage especially, I think that's intriguing. And, I mean, if he's full go for training camp in preseason, then I'm not going to be worried. We're scared off of taking Coop at, uh, Cooper Cup as the first or second. Yeah, yeah you, but, I um, think. Let's talk about another guy. Oh, no, go ahead, guys. You got you to gotta, you gotta watch that. I mean, this we're still in July. That's something you got to watch until – I mean, hopefully no one's drafting redraft until late August. So that's just something you got to monitor. But – Yeah, for um, sure. If there's – if there's signs of him being completely healthy, whatever, um, I mean, I'll probably still be scared off, but I wouldn't mind it. Fifth round, that's mm-hmm. perfect for him. Now let's talk about another guy who I think uh, has a similar projection to Cup this year, and that's Geronimo Allison, who hey. said this week that his main focus is going to be the slot. So, you know, this confirms some speculation that we've had this offseason. You know, basically, you know, we have Devontae Adams, clear-cut wide receiver, one in Green Bay, and we have Geronimo Allison taking over that slot role. Then on the outside, you know, there's a bunch of buzz around uh, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who could take that role he'll probably be competing with you know Equinemius St. Brown oh my god there's so many long names I'm like I can't say all these Packers wide receivers other than that you know the thing with Allison is that he played less than 15 percent of his snaps in the slot last year he is 6'3 and 202 pounds so he's he's like a big slot you know he's like Cooper Cup you know he's not going to be like that shifty guy like Jarvis Landry in the slot he's going to be in the slot bodying up on people you know in a potential good situation to score touchdowns in the slot we've seen that role be you know very successful for Randall Cobb in this offense so I mean Jared resident Packers fan what do you think about Allison this year do you think that he's going to be uh you know efficient in this role and what do you think about the other Packers wide receivers I mean we all we already all know about Devonta Adams nastiest nastiest first step in the league so like he's fine he's good for his 10 touchdowns thousand yards um I'm not taking MVS. I wouldn't. I don't think there's enough targets for him to be crazy relevant this year. But Rodgers does love throwing to the slot, and I'm. I'll be all over Geronimo Allison. I think he's going eighth round, right? Yep, mid eighth. Mid eighth. MVS is going in the ninth. Yeah, I'm. I'm all over that mid eighth. I think he's going to have a pretty, pretty, uh, <laughs> a pretty solid season. I'll t- I'll take that all day. What do you think, Joey? I I think I think uh, mid eighth round 
is where he should be going, and I do like him for this season. Obviously, um, playing with Aaron Rodgers gives you know anybody a boost, and Randall Cobb's gone. He went to Dallas, so Bum. Allison, <laughs> Allison starting in the slot. Um, new head coach, uh, new offensive system. I think the Packers are ready to uh, you know show people that they're not terrible and. I think Allison and Adams will be a big part of that, and they'll be Rodgers' go-to guys. So I like Allison in the eighth round. I think he's a, a solid pick. Could be. Yep. Could All be right. a thousand thousand for both of them. Yeah, definitely. Pot. Yeah, I would say that's a good bet. All right, and the last headline we're going to talk about before we move on to some sports betting tips for NFL games, uh, the Lions running back coach today said uh, that they do not plan to limit on Johnson's workload in any way whatsoever. Now, this is noteworthy for a couple reasons. One, people weren't really sure what kind of split on would have after the Lions brought in C.J. Anderson. Another report from Lions camp was that Theo Riddick is on the roster bubble, which, I mean, if he were to get cut, I mean, put on Johnson in the first round. This dude is going to get oh, seventy receptions. God. But, I mean, I mean, I'm I, I'm telling you guys right now that on Johnson is going to finish as a top twelve running back. He's going to finish ahead of several guys that are being drafted ahead of him. He's the value of the draft right now. But I mean, I don't I don't see any situation in which the Lions aren't a top five team in rush attempts and that on Johnson isn't getting the majority of those. I mean, it's pretty clear that he's going to be the engine of this Lions offense going forward. Yeah, I definitely agree with that take. And I saw that Theo Riddick article, and I totally forgot about it. So if he does get cut, that's on Johnson sale to the money. Yeah, because especially in DFS, because Pass. you know he's not going to be priced as a top running back, especially to start no. the season at least. And if you know they cut Theo and these reports are true, and they're just going to give him stupid touches, sale to the money. Pass. I mean, the Lions' new offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel has had I think uh, ten top ten rushing yard seasons uh, in offenses that he's been mm-hmm. a part of in his it's career. Stay so I mean. The track record is there. Jared's hating because he's biased and can't separate his personal feelings from reality. So um, no, it's because this bum no. thinks Carryon Johnson is better than Aaron Jones, which he's not. I mean, we could book it as the first bet of the season on pod. How do you, you want to bet? Uh, how do you want to make the bet? Fantasy points, rushing yards. Uh, let's do fantasy points. Fantasy PPR. Points. Yeah. Fifty. That's a good bet. Yeah, I'll put 50 on it and, uh, you know, 12 games each. Yeah. All right, book it. That's we'll a good do, bet. We'll do their first 12 games. First bet of the no, season. No, no, full full season, but the bet is, you know, they each have to play at least 12 games. Well, if, so. I mean, if on Johnson misses four games and Aaron Jones plays 16 games, that's not. Yeah, yeah, no, it's still legit then. I'm just saying. All if, right, if I mean, them, I was good with the first yeah. 12 games. That's fine with me. All right, let's do it. All righty. Lock it in. All right. Good Lock shit. it now in. Let's move on uh, to 
the next segment here where we're going to talk about some sports betting. So I'm going to sort of sit back on this one, maybe give a little input. But, you know, the two gentlemen here are uh, seasoned sports bettors, whereas I'm just sort of dipping my foot in. So, you know, if, you, if you're, if uh, you you know, like me, you know, you might not have been super into sports betting in the past, but a lot of states across the U.S. are becoming more mm-hmm. more friendly with the idea of sports betting. Shout out to New York. Shout out to Turning Stone opening August 1st. Be Turning there. Turning Stone August 1st. Relax, they're not paying us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, shut up. Um, so let's talk about sports betting, guys. So if you are going to explain to somebody who has never bet sports in the NFL before, what advice are you going to give them? Um, <clears throat> so if you're betting for the first time, Betting is basically all about research and discipline and bankroll management. So basically... You know, the same strategies that you would use for DFS, making lineups. You're going to employ that same strategy when you're researching to who you want to bet on. So there's spreads and money lines. Spreads are what the team has to cover in terms of points. So minus three, that means they're three-point favorites. Money lines are just who you think is going to win. So if the Patriots are minus 200, that means they're the favorite to win, and you have to bet $200 to win $100. Um if you pick them to win and they do win so just simple strategy is you want to research um you want to take in all factors so teams records against the spread um their home and away splits their all like their offensive rankings or defensive rankings and obviously the matchup in general um where it is etc etc and how the team is performing that season see what are you thinking about this, Jared? I'm, I'm big into line movement. I don't know how I don't know how Joey feels about that, but I'm big into definitely something you hear sharp people talk about. Yeah, I'm so, <clears throat> big into line movement. So say if the Patriots open up at a, I'm trying to think. I've been in the baseball. I can't even think about it right now. Twenty eight. My. Oh yeah, minus yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Minus say so if they open if they open up at minus six and a half right, and then they move to a minus five and a half. That means a lot of the bets are on say the Bills plus six and a half, and then they move to five and a half. So a lot of people are betting on most of the money is betting on the uh, the Bills plus six and a half. So the which, Vegas wants to move it the opposite way, which which is called the public. The public moves the lines. Yep. Right, and and you want to fade the public because the public a lot that, of the time is going to be that, uninformed better. That is a strategy that most um, people like to say or employ. Um, sometimes the public is right, but I would say in general the public usually is wrong because that's how Vegas is obviously in business. Um, you lose a lot if you don't know what you're doing and the public is usually wrong so fading it is generally the optimal option but there's some instances where the line movement can indicate that get off that team see this is this is how i look at it so there's a percentage if you use i forgot what the website is called i'll have to look it up and put a link when we put this on youtube but there's a website so say the, a team opens up at minus 200 money line and 43% of the bets are on them 
but they move to a, a minus 250, that means a ton of sharp money is on them and you want to take them. That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. That's yes, that's what yes, backs sure. that's what backs me. So if like sixty five percent of the money is on the Bills plus two hundred, but they keep they it keeps moving towards them being bigger dogs, fade that. I'm staying away from that. The same thing goes with over unders. The same thing goes with plus my like if they're plus six and a half or whatever. All that yeah. I tend to I tend to roll with money lines. Um, for baseball, football stuff like that. I'm not yeah. I'm not big into like. Uh, run lines or whatever. Um, yeah. Um. I I try to stay with the money lines. That's why like betting a team that's plus thirteen hundred is just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There's no. There's no. They're not gonna win. Like yeah. the odds. So that means that you have to bet thirteen hundred. No. No. You no, have to if, bet a hundred to win thirteen hundred. If they're plus thirteen hundred, okay. it means they're huge that means dogs. Yeah, they're huge dogs, and it's not a good bet. So that means they would probably be minus, or they would probably be plus like fifteen and a half or something. Yeah, so something crazy. That's those lines are usually in college football, but yeah, um, we're talking about the NFL. <laughs> but yeah, money lines are safer bets. Like I said, the team just has to win. The spread is what most people do bet. Um, especially with football. Um, not a fan of that though. I never have that. Yeah. It, it's definitely not for everybody, and it takes research, you know? Like, it's literally just it ju- it's just like DFS. It's just like DraftKings, FanDuel, Best Ball. You have to research. If, you're not, if you don't want to do research, you're not going to win, and you're just going to waste your money. Um, and, and like Jared mentioned about that site, there's plenty of sites where there's statistics on trends, like Odd Sharks is a good website for gambling. Um, shows you the trends of each team shows you what's going on with the team and all all the stuff that you need to make an informed decision about who you want to bet on for that week. So basically, I mean, like like Joey said, a lot of the stuff is going to be very similar to DFS. I mean, you know, that's why so many DFS weeks start with analyzing the lines because, you know, Vegas knows what it's talking about. So a lot can be learned just by doing research. I mean, you wouldn't play a slate on dfs without doing research i mean at least you wouldn't want to so it's the same thing you know go into sports betting uh if you're going to answer this you know understanding bankroll and understanding realistic win rates like you know i think that it's something like 52 percent is an expected win rate for a very good sports better so you know even even the best people in the business are losing damn near half the time so it's just a matter of being good with your money and, and realizing when to fade like like one thing that uh you know I would give as a tip is don't feel like you need to bet every week or every game. Like you need to you need to bet on games that you feel like there's an edge on because yeah. not every not every line provides an edge. Sometimes you're just guessing. Yeah. So, you know, you need to really utilize when there's edges. If there's a strong edge in a game, like if you have the chance to get on something before you know the line is about to move, then jump on it quick because, you know, Vegas adapts quick, but sometimes you can get in there right before a line movement and just give yourself an extra, you know, point, point and a half against the spread, stuff like that. So, um, you know, be be mindful and don't go into this thing without, uh, you know, having a thought-out idea of what you're doing. I agree because a point or a ha- even a half a point is huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, and it, the term for that is the juice for if you don't know. That's what it's called. So the juice is the half point, which you could buy – 
the point, the half point to go down from like three and a half to three, and it can make all the difference if you buy it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I never. Yeah. A rule of thumb for me is I never bet when it's three or seven. I, I always have a half point. Yeah, that's just for me though. All right, that's uh, that's some good stuff. Uh, we'll get a little bit more into this in the coming weeks leading up to the season before we fully transition into daily fantasy sports. But real quick before we move on to our final segment of the show, do you guys just want to each give out one prop? Uh, as far as an NFL future that looks interesting, you can do a player prop, you can do you know a Super Bowl prop, whatever you want to do. Team win total. Uh, just throw something. Ben, you can go so first. Okay, well you know I think traditionally, from what I understand, I think some of the softest uh, bets that you'll find out there in terms of NFL futures are player props because there's just a disconnect in terms of I think what Vegas thinks is going to happen and what. Uh, you know, the people who who project fantasy players all summer think is going to happen. So I just I think that in general, the fantasy community is a little bit sharper than the public, especially uh, when it comes to this stuff. So I think you can look at fantasy projections and then compare it to the Vegas, uh, you know, Vegas player props. And if you see like a stunning difference, um, that might be a place you can get an edge. So, I mean, right off the top of my head, I was looking through these earlier. Some of the ones that really, I think, are absurd are David Johnson having a uh, over-under of 1,000 rushing yards. Um, you know, I think that that is really, really low for him. I would, I would smash the over on that. And uh, another one that really stands out is Melvin Gordon having a uh, over-under of 1,065 and a half rushing yards. That's an easy under to me, especially with the possibility of a holdout at hand, especially considering that he's only gone for over 1,000 yards once in four years. I mean, this is well above his career average, and it doesn't even, you know, accommodate the fact that he might not play or miss several games due to holdout. Mm-hmm. So um, those two really jump off the page at me uh, on the player props uh, section yeah. of sports betting. The player props are definitely um, the way to go, especially if you're betting like this early into the NFL season. Um, like you said, the edge is pretty huge, and the lines on some of these are really like out there. Um, Absurd. Yeah. Um, my favorite Patriots plus seven hundred win the Super Bowl. Book it. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah, that's just the bias in me talking, but um, definitely. My favorite low-key player prop is over on Derek Carr's passing yards, 4,100. I think he has a bounce back year with A.B. and Tyrell and second year in John Gruden's system. I love that bet. Over 4,100 and a half, Derek Carr passing yards, 2019, book it. Nice. What do you got, Jared? I got four. Choose, choose one. Nah, you guys are getting all four, but I'll tell you my favorite one after. So I agree with Ben on David Johnson. Over a, okay. over a thousand. I mean that's that's easy cash. I have actually I'll tell you my favorite under right now. Derrick Henry, under twelve hundred and ten and a half yards. Oh. Twelve hundred and ten yeah, for seems... Derrick Henry. Under. Smash that. And then Joe Mixon under eleven hundred and eighty and a half yards. These aren't total yards. These are these are just rushing yards. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. over Anthony Miller, five hundred and forty and a half yards receiving. Mm-hmm. Over five hundred and five hundred and forty. 
540, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's such a low total. I mean, as long as he's the starting slot all year, I would see him going over that pretty yeah. easily. And then I have one... I mean, what the hell is Vegas doing putting Derrick Henry, you know, higher than David Johnson and Joe Mixon and all these other guys? Bro. What is going on? Derrick Henry is just an animal. Did you not know? I guess. I mean, this is the example of, like, what we were just talking about, though. Like, I feel like this line should drop in response to the Taylor Luan thing, but if you're quick enough, you could probably, you know, book that... Before. I mean, it's gonna. So it, it'll probably drop that, about fifty to one hundred yards. It'll probably drop before this podcast is released. Yeah. To be yeah. With you. And there's one more: Deshaun Watson over four thousand seventy-five and a half. That's lower than Derek yeah. Carr. I like that. Yeah, that's a good one too. All right. Yeah, we'll talk about some more player props and sports betting uh, strategy going forward. But let's move into our last segment for today, and that's going to be. ADP landmines now, you know, just to be clear, we talked about it. You know, these are guys that aren't just going to be overdrafted by a couple of picks. We're talking about guys that are being drafted way ahead of where they should be going, like rounds and rounds ahead. So who do you guys think, uh, you know, in terms of ADP right now is going, you know, several rounds higher than they should? I think maybe we'll each give out, you know, one or two players here. So, uh, Joey, you want to start us off? Yes, I would love to. The number one guy that is being drafted way too high is Daryl Henderson of the L.A. Rams. He's being drafted at the end of the sixth round, going ahead of guys such as Robbie Anderson, Eric Ebron, Allen Robinson. Those aren't running backs, but those are just some guys. Some running backs that he's going ahead of, Latavius Murray, Kareem Hunt, Miles Sanders, um, Austin Eckler. Damian Harris, just to name a few guys, who are in better situations, I would say. Um, even though Gurley does have this chronic knee issue, I'm a firm believer that Gurley is one of the best values for this upcoming season because we know what he could do. Yes, the knee scares, you know, scares you, whatever, whatever. But you know what? Sometimes you got to take risks, and Gurley's worth the risk. And I think, with that being said, Daryl Henderson should not be in the top 10 rounds 100 percent. just my opinion yeah um you know i i, I don't know I, I i both agree and disagree with you one i don't think that Gurley is a value i think that he's going where he should be going i don't think that he's going to be like he was last year getting the amount of work that he got but at the same time i think daryl henderson is going way too high i would take almost all those guys you mentioned ahead of him um I just think in general, both of them are going to be splitting to the point that neither of them pay off their ADP. You know, I, I could see Henderson getting, you know, 10 to 12 touches per game and Gurley sitting around maybe like, you know, 12 to 15. Like, I, I just, I think that, you know, they're going to slow roll Gurley, especially, you know, this is a team that was in the Super Bowl last year and then disappointed in like a heartbreaking major way. You know, they're not going to want to get to the playoffs again and have you know, no Todd Gurley. So I think they're going to slow roll him for a big part of the season. But that being said, I mean, yeah, I'm not taking a, a guy who has an upside for like 12 touches a game in, in the sixth round. No, and just another um, point is the Rams also have Malcolm Brown. And yes. if you're not listening or not listening, if the listeners don't know, he got signed to another team earlier th- in the offseason in March. He got signed to another team. I'm not I'm not the familiar Lions. with the team. The Lions. Oh. Lions. Perfect. They signed him. 
but he was a restricted free agent, so that gives the team that he previously played for an, a chance to match the offer that the Lions gave him. And the Rams decided to match his offer, Malcolm Brown. So, can we really project that Daryl Henderson will be the, you know, the second string running back, or does Malcolm Brown have a chance to be that second string running back? And people are just speculating that Daryl Henderson is going to be the backup just because he got drafted this year when they did sign Malcolm Brown. Like they could have just let him walk and keep Henderson, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was before absolutely. the draft, but, you know, to give context, but they did sign him before the draft, but, you know. Yeah, he, he was obviously valuable to the team, and, and, yeah, for those reasons, I agree. What do you think about uh, Henderson, Jared? My mic cut out, what did you say? Henderson. Uh, way overdrafted. I wouldn't, I wouldn't draft him with you guys' picks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, who do who do you have as uh, someone who is an ADP landmine right now? Uh, Derrick Henry at two ten. Hor- horrible, horrible. He's going at three eleven though. Mine says two ten. On fantasy calculator. Oh shit, that's non PPR. Dick. Just start again. I'm still saying Derrick Henry. Yeah. So Derrick Henry at 311. It's way overdrafted. The guys below him, I would take on Johnson over him. I would take Philip Lindsay over him. Galladay, Cooks, Stefan Diggs. Like, he's way way I don't get it. I don't I never I don't see the hype around Derrick Henry. Doesn't make any sense to me. I think he's yeah. he's one of those guys that he'll run you over and maybe he'll break a run. But other than that, I mean, he's going to have a couple breakout games and then he's going to dud every other game like he did this year or last year. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I just I don't want to take a guy with zero equity in the pass game at that point in the draft. I mean, it's 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 too much uh, dependent on game flow, and he could easily you know just have so many games like you said where he just doesn't produce because you know the Titans are behind, and then it's going to be all Deion Lewis. And so, he's not good. Yeah, he's just not good. Yeah, that's possible. I, I don't I don't know if I 100% agree with that, but yeah. I think he's just a big dude yeah. that tries to. He tries to play like Marshawn Lynch. He ain't Marshawn Lynch. No one is Marshawn Lynch. No, no, he's not. That man's a freak. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think we all agree that Derrick Henry, especially with this Taylor Lawan news, uh, missing yeah. one of the best left tackles in football for, for four weeks is a major downgrade. Um, let's talk about another guy here. And I think we did this segment last year, and I think I said the same guy. Uh, and then I was right, and he had a terrible year. And guess what? He's still getting drafted in the first four rounds. Uh, I'll never understand what the obsession Don't say it. with Kenyon Drake is. <laughs> oh, my God. This man is hot booty. He should barely be in the NFL, let alone oh, okay. being drafted in, in the fourth round. Are you kidding me? This dude is a glorified, you know, like, I don't know. He's like, a this bonafide guy is, scrub. That's what you want to say, right? He, he is a bonafide scrub. This dude, okay, so tell me why he's being drafted in the fourth round after failing to get over 15 carries in a single game last year. 
Does that sound like someone who should be going ahead of Sony Michelle to you or Chris Carson or or any of these guys? No. I mean, honestly, he is a pass catching back. The only reason that he had any value in fantasy was because he had 50 receptions and he lucked into getting nine touchdowns. Um, Luck. Yeah, no, thank you. Luck. No, thank you. Like, like this guy's going ahead of James White and Tariq Cohen, who are both better versions of everything that he does well. Um, he's definitely going to lose the starting rushing job to Kalen Balazs this year. Uh, if you draft him with a fourth round, I might as well just hit you with my PayPal and you can just send me the cash now. That, that's really how I feel about this. Oh my god. No, I agree that he's going too high in the fourth because those people below him are, you know, better and I would take them over him. But... I think he does have a chance to produce this year, especially if he actually gets a chance to carry the ball and be that workhorse that Adam Gase didn't want him to be. I mean, wasn't he only successful under Adam Gase and for like a four-week span at the end of the year, like yeah. two years ago? And yes. that's why people are – that's like all people are remembering. Yes, him. you're it was right. like a solid week where you got a ton of work. But yeah. I just don't think he's that guy, to be honest. And – Part of it goes into the fact that I think the Dolphins have like arguably one of the worst three or four rosters in the league. I mean, they're definitely the worst. Have a top team. five pick. They're probably the worst yeah. team in the NFL. And rolls into the. I wouldn't land. be. No, yeah, they're, they're just not going to score enough. They're they're tanking for Tua from Alabama. No, I don't think they traded for Josh Rosen just to tank again. Uh, and mm-hmm. the Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen in the first round and then drafted Kyler Murray yeah, for, well, the, with the they first got a, pick. Because that boy Cliff was obsessed with Kyler Murray for like the last five years. Well, Rosen could still be on the team and yeah. they draft somebody because, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick won't be there for longer than a year. So there's that. Let's go around one more time. Each of us give one more and then we will close out the show. Uh, back to you, Joey. What do you think? Hmm. I would have to say Honestly, I'm not too sure. I would say David Montgomery stands out to me. He's going in the top of the fourth round. Um you know, I don't know if he'll be able to produce as you know, a fourth round pick. I would rather have him in like the eighth or the ninth round, especially because the Bears did sign Mike Davis. They still have Tariq Cohen, so there there's a lot of running backs there that potentially could eat away at his workload. And I think the fourth round is way too high for him. I don't know, it's like especially as a rookie too, and rookie running backs uh, tend to struggle. So yeah, that's my mm-hmm. second pick. I'm I'm on the fence with that one. Like I agree with you that he's being drafted too high, but that being said, I mean, when I look at the running backs he's going ahead of, like I would take him ahead of Philip Lindsay or Mark Ingram or Kenyon Drake. Like I think that he has that upside. The problem is is I feel like he's being drafted at his ceiling. Like mm-hmm. yes. I, I mean, he could get the two hundred carries that Jordan Howard left behind and you know, the Bears were a team that did not have very many draft picks and they traded up to get Montgomery. Like they obviously love him, they want him to be part of their plan. They let Howard go, or they traded Howard away. So, you know, I think that Montgomery is going to for sure have a role. I just don't like the idea of drafting a rookie at their ceiling. If he were a fifth or sixth round pick, I would be all over that. But, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a detriment. But, like you said, it's going to be hard for him to pay off that Mm -hmm. ADP. Yes, I completely agree. Jared, thoughts on Montgomery? 
I mean, as an avid Chicago Bear hater. Chicago Bear fan. Yeah, I don't. Okay. What are you talking about, dude? You. Yeah, I mean, I actually let that go when you said that AJ Green was your favorite player in the league because I think we all know that your favorite player is Mitch Trubisky. I mean, Facts. there's so much, there's so much evidence on no. tape, but yes. we don't, no. Check we don't the need tape. to go there. No. No. Check the tape. Listen. Uh, Listen. Do you want to give us a nah, a, a landmine? Nah, fuck, fuck you guys. No. That's all you, bro. Move who, on. Who, who's a ADP landmine? Uh, all right. Now that we're over the Chicago Bear nonsense. Uh, I just speak my truths. Yeah, whatever. Mm. I mean, Tavin Coleman. For me, six oh three. I still think that's. I mean, it's either him or Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller's a bum. Mm-hmm. He's gonna lose his job by the You're not wrong by the middle of the season. Minimum, maximum, like it'd probably be before that. Dante to Dante Foreman to the rescue. But yeah, either either him or Tevin. I don't. I just don't. I don't know. I don't see Tevin really being that lead guy. No matter what they say, I still think Breed is gonna get a lot of touches. And that backfield is so crowded, like we talked about before. Yeah, and, and this has to be the year that uh, Lamar Miller is, you know, loses his starting job. I couldn't see him making it another full year. I mean, I think he got some bail last year by Foreman missing so much time. But I mean, you know, Foreman had some good games towards the end there, and you know, he has some upside. Foreman uh, is going to be great. I can't wait till he gets his shot. That boy Lamar Miller needs to be sitting on the couch. The only my only my only thing with Foreman is that the Texans have a terrible offensive line, which mm-hmm. could really slow his yeah. production. Um, and I don't know how much of a receiver he is, so he could be kind of like uh, Derrick Henry light, but in a better offense. So I mean, there's some upside. I love Foreman where he's going late ninth round, early tenth. Yeah, that's a steal. Um, and I agree with you about both of those guys being overdrafted now the last guy i want to say this was a really tough choice for me because i think that there's two wide receivers in the mid-range that really stand out as being just wildly overdrafted uh they're both going and pick 70 to 79 but i think that hmm dante pettis and christian kirk let's just talk about both of them because the reason that they're being overdrafted is the same these are two wildly unproven players in offenses with quarterbacks that neither of them have any rapport with and uh, both heavily invested in the draft in bringing in more wide receivers. And yet they're being treated like the clear-cut wide receiver one on their team. You know, neither of these guys deserve to be in the first 10 rounds, and Pettis is going <laughs> 609. Christian Kirk is going 705, ahead of guys like Will Fuller, Sammy Watkins, Sterling Shepard, Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, if you're taking Christian Kirk ahead of Larry Fitzgerald, it's, it's just over for you. I mean, fantasy is not the game you should be playing. Uh, Dante Pettis, like this guy has what 27 career receptions, is it? And he's being drafted ahead of of Robbie Anderson, Allen Robinson. You're taking Dante Pettis ahead of Allen Robinson? Yeah. What? Get, what's the problem? Like, it's, what's the problem is Dante Pettis has 27 career receptions, and Allen Robinson has a 1400 yard, 14 touchdown season in his repertoire. <laughs> Come on. This is this is just terrible. This is just terrible. 
Um, you know, Marquise Goodwin is better than Dante Pettis. Whoa. That's not even really a question. Yeah, and you can get him ten rounds later. Dude, he's just a track star that can run fast. What's Dante Pettis? He's, he has 17 yards per catch. He's just a deep threat only. You know fantasy is a good part about projections, and that's why they're so high. It's just people project them to be the receiver ones in their offense. So that's why, why they're going so high. What do you mean? Why? why? Like, you well, got a new... Dante Pettis done? I mean, obviously, if they were so stoked that he was their clear-cut wide receiver one, they wouldn't be drafting, you know, Debo Samuel. And and even if he is their wide receiver one, he is definitely not going to get targeted more than Kittle. We've been talking about the San Francisco 49ers running backs all show. You know, if with Jimmy G back, these guys are going to get more more looks. You know, the team won't be from behind all the time passing. They should at least be competitive. So there should be more rush attempts to go around. And, yeah, like I said, they added Samuel. They added Hurd. And, uh, yeah, Jimmy G has a pretty good uh, repertoire. I'm using this word a lot today. But he's been killing it with Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, fuck. Hang on. I fucked that up. Let me, let me start that again. Oh, that. What was I saying? Oh yeah, let me just let me just say, Marquise Goodwin is actually has some rapport with Jimmy G. They they were much more productive together than Jimmy G and and Dante Pettis were in the beginning of last year. I just don't see what, like you said, it's projection, but it's pure projection. There's not even much going into it. It's like they're thinking that all of this draft capital that these teams are dumping into their wide receiver core is for nothing. Like. Do you think that they drafted all these guys because Dante Pettis is going to get 120 targets? Like, no. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I agree, but, like, Dante Pettis, for last year in terms of fantasy, um, to end the year, he was one of the most consistent receivers um, over, like, the last five games, I believe. He had a a four-catch for 77-yard, one-touchdown game, a five-catch for 129 yards, two touchdowns. Um, five catches, 83 yards, three for 49. Um, so that that's where that comes from, is he was one of the best uh, to end the year last year. I mean, if you're drafting a guy who's never had more than six career receptions in a single game ahead of Will Fuller and yeah, Allen Robinson, I don't crazy. know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. It's just as, as he's being so, so overdrafted. It reminds me of people who were consistently taking uh, Devontae Parker and Josh Doxson, you know, just based on a couple of catches. It's like, it's like you, yeah, like you're projecting them to be the wide receiver one, and then, you know, Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills outperforms you mm-hmm. because you're not good. And, and I don't know. I just I'm, I'll, I'll wait till next year to have any interest in either of these guys. But, um, Facts, I agree. You know, we're running – Running a little bit long here. Yeah, um, so we will move on and close this show up. Uh, Joey said it at the top of the show. You can follow us on iTunes, YouTube, Twitter. We're on Spotify now. Um, you know, Facts. We're just be grinding. We're just going to be grinding for the rest of the season, making making some uh, people, you know, some money. Mm-hmm. So that, that's Follow. what we're trying to do. Facts. We have... Uh, Probably, what do you think? Maybe like a week or two until the DK Week One salaries get released. It's it's literally we're right we're right there. Yeah. it's almost time. The, I can't wait. That's one of my favorite days of the of the year. Just all, all the people flocking to DK, seeing yeah. the the over and undervalued players, and we know Week One is a crazy week because by the time a month passes and and yeah. all the values change, 
It's just you have like these insane rosters that are putting up crazy numbers. So yeah. you know that'll be exciting. We'll definitely talk about it as soon as the the week one prices get released. We'll probably do a whole show on it. Yeah. So uh, look forward to that, and uh, we will be back next Friday with another episode. Um, I'm Ben Hover. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Hover. Uh, you can see our our ads right below us. I keep forgetting we're on video now, but um, yeah. Uh, you guys got anything else? Or are we good here? No, nah, I think we're all set. All right. All right. Sounds good. We will see you guys next week. Uh, yeah. Next Friday. Day.